Amen. Thank you, guys. What a beautiful, beautiful Easter morning. So welcome, you guys, whether you are a part of our Element family or whether you're just a guest with us for this Easter morning. Thank you for making the intentional choice to be here and to participate in this celebration, even in these days when it's maybe a little bit hard to figure out a lot of things to celebrate because we're living through a really strange time right now. And so thank you for choosing to celebrate the truth, the story that we're all a part of, no matter what season we find ourselves in, right? And like we've been saying from the beginning of this whole pandemic, <laughs> looking to Jesus changes our perspective on everything. And so that's what we're going to do today. That's what we do every Sunday and hopefully every day, right? Because when we turn our gaze to him, we remember the truth of the whole story, right? So my prayer is that today we will see how much there truly is to celebrate today. And we're doing a unique thing today, right? This is very unique. This is not the normal way that we do Easter. And I hope that we don't ever have to do another Easter Sunday like this. I would much rather see your faces and be able to give you hugs. Um, but I hope that we don't miss the beauty of this one, right? I hope that we don't just write this off as that weird Easter that wasn't quite as great as normal. I hope that we, miss, I hope that we see how beautiful this is, this day is, this story is, right? Unique is good. You know, our family has found some unique ways to cope with this current quarantine situation. Probably none of you can uh, even understand stories of our family and how we, how we are managing, but we got stories. We're doing things uniquely. We've got um, giant Easter eggs like probably most every other family in America because that's what people do the Saturday before Easter. We roasted marshmallows at our brand new fire pit. Now, why do we have a fire pit, you might ask, when it's literally 90 degrees outside? Well, it's a long story, but basically, Chris had wanted to dig one and build one in the backyard, and then, well, home projects really aren't our forte, so we looked into that and decided that was too much work, so we bought a fire pit, because the children really wanted s'mores, and so we had them on the day before Easter. That's just how we did it, people. Also, how else are we coping? We have a secret stash. The kids know, so I can tell. We have a secret stash of carrot cake Oreos hidden in the back of our pantry for the day when all hope seems lost. We shall prevail with our carrot cake Oreos. Okay, also, we cope in unique ways. I was coming upstairs the other day to wake the children because we wake up early, we get going on our schoolwork at 8 a.m., we are ready to go. So I was coming upstairs to wake my children up the other day and I heard this giant thumping coming from upstairs, which isn't a unique sound in our home. They're, the sound carries, and they're very active children, so it's not strange to hear the sound of thumping. But I looked into my daughter's room, and I saw her back up all the way against the wall of her room. Take a running start. Leap. They have, okay, first of all, so it's a bedroom, and then a bathroom, and then a bedroom. It's like the Jack and Jill bathroom situation, right? So the door is open. Back up all the way against the wall of her room. Running start, leap over the bathroom tile and land upon the other side of the carpet. Walk to the end of Kayla's room, turn around, running start, leap over the bathroom floor. She did this back and forth like 10 times. And I'm just standing there like, what's going on? 
And apparently it's a new skill that she is perfecting during our quarantine. So this is how we stay sane, unique ways. We all have our coping mechanisms. We like unique in our family and in this church. So whatever you guys are doing to be unique, you just go for it, okay? And I hope that you have something special planned today to create a memory. Um, even if it's just eating your secret stash of carrot cake Oreos or whatever it is for you, I hope that you'll do something special to celebrate today. And we're already doing something special by being here, um, and I honor your choice to be here because here's what I found out in life, right? The things that are easy to do are also the things that are easy not to do. Have you guys noticed that? If something's like really easy to do, then it's kind of also easy really to not do it. You know, so like tuning into this online gathering is not a hard thing. You can do it from your bed. But because it's so easy, a lot of people might not do it. So I honor your choice to do it. We're here doing the thing. Whether it's easy or hard, we're here doing it. And I think we're going to find something very beautiful today. So we are going to take time to remember and to reflect on the beauty and the victory of the resurrection story, even when we don't maybe feel too much new life right at the moment, right? And I think choosing to celebrate the truth of re resurrection and redemption, even when we don't feel that new life in our lives at the moment, is one of the most powerful and spirit-filled choices that we can make, right? Because today, no matter what's going on in the world, we are speaking the truth of victory. Today, no matter what is going on in the world, we are speaking the truth of redemption. And we are speaking the truth of peace and wholeness and shalom. And by speaking it and by celebrating it, we are becoming it. We're becoming it today. So that's what we're doing. And I don't want us to miss it. I don't want us to miss the beauty in the weirdness, in the uniqueness, because it is beautiful. So, you know, here's another reason why it's beautiful. And I sent this out in my email to you guys this week, but to remind you, or in case you didn't read it, you know, the first Easter was kind of a lot like this one, right? On Good Friday, the disciples didn't get to come together and to grieve. They scattered. They were terrified. They were terrified that the same Roman soldiers who crucified Jesus were going to come after them. And so they, they hid. They ran. They were in darkness and hiding and alone right? And on Easter Sunday, they didn't all get together to celebrate Jesus being alive. They were still locked away, hidden in tiny groups or by themselves, thinking that Jesus was dead. So it's a little bit different than we usually celebrate it. We usually think of Easter Sunday as the day where we all gather together and celebrate the risen Jesus. But the first Easter Sunday wasn't like that. They were alone. They were scattered, and they were afraid. So maybe when we take ourselves out of our usual way of doing things, we can put ourselves a little bit more deeply into the story of the way things really happened. And I think there's something really important about that. I think there's something really special about that. And it's a chance that we might never get again. We're probably not going to do this without you guys again unless we have to, right? So let's be in this moment and put ourselves in the story of what really happened. Because what really happened was that when people found out that Jesus was alive, it wasn't a great gathering of worshipers. It was private encounters with him. It was when Jesus came so close that they could touch him, 
that they could talk to him, that they could look in his eyes and see the truth that he was alive. And that's what he wants for us today. Even more than a great gathering of praise, he wants to look in your eyes. He wants to hold your heart and tell you the truth, that he's alive, right? So I think that we need to marvel at the beauty of this opportunity today. And I think we need to realize that it's not a loss to celebrate Easter like this. And in fact, it might be exactly what our hearts need. It might be exactly what we need to celebrate Easter just like this. Because I think when we do, we can imagine how they must have felt. The energy and the joy and the gratitude they must have felt when they realized that Jesus was alive and the purpose that must have been kindled inside them when they realized everything this guy has said is true and he's asking me to do something with it. What purpose does that bring alive in me? And maybe today we can feel that in a different way, in a deeper way. Because here's the truth. Resurrection wasn't just for Jesus. Resurrection is for all of us. All of us. We're going to talk about what that really means today. So stay with me, okay? So we're in the middle of our Road to the Cross series. This isn't the last message, by the way. We're going to continue next week. But today, we're talking about the resurrection. And in the midst of this series, we've, we've taken the time to really look at what happened to read and to experience what happened. So I'm going to ask Pastor Benjamin's kids to come on up, and they're going to read us the account of John. And John is one of the four accounts that we have of what happened on Easter Sunday, on Resurrection Morning. And so Killian and Declan and Emery are going to read us this passage from John. John 20, 1 through 18. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, They have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have, ta- where they have put him. Peter and the other disciple started to out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there, while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said, Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned, it, she turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Why, who are you looking for? She thought she, he was a gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him, 
and I will go get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and said, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father, but go find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them his message. Great job, you guys. Thank you. So my prayer is that we'll feel that story a little more deeply today. Take a moment and imagine running, running towards the tomb. You know, I think when we think about this story, when we visualize it in our minds and we visualize them running towards the tomb, we think they must have been overjoyed. They're running to the tomb because they know Jesus is alive. But when you read that story, you realize they're not running because they think Jesus is alive. They're running because they think someone stole his body out of the tomb. Did you hear? When they, when they got there, they went in, they looked around, and then they went home, right? And Mary was crying. They didn't know. They didn't know that he was alive. Can you imagine thinking that the body of your beloved teacher had been stolen? And then, can you imagine seeing his face and realizing he was alive? Can you imagine? Can you imagine what that resurrection did? did in those disciples, in the people who loved and followed Jesus? And then can you imagine what it can do in us? What can this story, what can this truth do in us? Because here we are today witnessing the resurrection. So if you are with us around Christmas time at Element, we had a series called Behold. And we learned a lot about Jesus in our Behold series, but I want to remind us of one prophecy that we read in Luke. It was a prophecy by a man named Simeon, and we're going to look at it this morning. It says, And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. And at Christmas time, we unpacked a little bit about what that meant. The fall and rising. The fall and the rising. And at Christmas time, we learned what it means to fall on our faces before Jesus, right? We learned that falling on our knees, on our face, before God is the response of the human soul to Jesus, right? Whether we're falling out of pure adoration or we're falling out of exhaustion, or we're falling because we need healing, or we need mercy, or we need strength, or we're falling because we're wise men and we, we get who this king is, or we're falling because we're disciples and we're so grateful that he's alive. What, whatever the reason, the response of the human soul and heart is to fall before Jesus, right? Do you guys remember that? We fall. But prophecy says Jesus was appointed for the fall and the rising, the rising, right? 
And that's why this particular Easter feels so important to me. Because it feels like, kind of, the whole world has fallen on its face, right? Things are crazy right now. This world has come to a halt. It's fallen on its face. And if we choose to fall at the feet of Jesus, then his invitation is to rise. It's to rise, right? So we're going to think about resurrection for a few minutes today. So if we look at the Greek word, the Greek word for resurrection is anastasis. Anastasis. And it can mean two different things, okay? Go with me here for a second. The word anastasis can mean two different things. It can mean literally a resurrection from the dead, right? You're dead and then you come back to life. That's one meaning. But it can also be a figurative meaning, okay? And the figurative meaning is a standing up again. A standing up again. A moral recovery of spiritual truth raised to life again. It's pretty, got to think about that for a minute, right? A standing up again. Now, when Jesus said that he was the resurrection and the life, he used this word, anastasis. And the truth is, we don't have to try and figure out which meaning of those two Jesus meant, because the truth is he meant both of them. He meant both of them. He meant a resurrection of our physical bodies after death, but he also meant a standing up again in this life, a rediscovery of the truth, a rediscovery of the one true narrative of redemption. Because our resurrection is not just about having a life after this one. It is that. It is that. But it's also about standing up again right here, right now. Life again. And I think we're all longing for that right now, right? We're longing for life again. We're longing to stand, to rise. That is what we long for. So we're going to look at the story of Jesus today for a few minutes. And we're going to see what lessons we can learn from the way that he rose to life again. It can maybe inform us about how we can raise to life again. So we're going to have four thoughts about resurrection. And the first one is, resurrection can only follow a death or a fall. Resurrection can only follow a death or a fall. Now, I know that might sound obvious, but we got to think about that a second, guys, right? The story of Jesus' death starts in a tomb. And there would not have been a victory to celebrate if there hadn't been the death first, right? The movement that Jesus' resurrection started, the movement that changed the whole world, wouldn't have happened if there hadn't have been a death first before the resurrection. We can't, we can't rise again if we haven't realized that we've fallen. And when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane begging God for another way, he knew there was no other way. There had to be a death or the new life wouldn't be able to happen. We wouldn't be able to celebrate the new life if there wasn't first a death, right? And so if you feel like you've fallen today, if you feel the need of a new life, then take heart because that's where resurrection comes in. It can't happen unless we first realize that we've fallen. Point number two. Resurrection comes in the perfect timing of the one true narrative of redemption. You know, if I had been writing the story, 
I don't know if I would have picked three days. I don't know the necessary significance of three days if I were the author of all creation. Like, what if Jesus could have just hopped off the cross right after he died? Like, right after everyone knew it was finished and he was dead, and then, boom, he's back to life while everyone is still right there gathered waiting to see, like, is, this, is God going to save this guy or not? And then God doesn't save him and he dies. Like, wouldn't it have been so amazing? Maybe that could have changed the world more. I'm thinking that would be a dramatic point, right? But the perfect timing of the one true narrative of redemption doesn't have to make sense to us. Three days is what Jesus prophesied, and three days is what happened. And sometimes I think that we would like to write our own stories of when our rising comes to, right? We would like to control the timing of our resurrection. I know I would, right? You know, I experienced a pretty hard crash a few months ago physically and emotionally, and I hated it. It was awful. And I knew it was happening, and I was like, all right, God, I admit I'm, I'm not well. I have broken bones and, and unwell physical body. Like, I'm ready to rise again. Lord, I, I've fallen, and I'm ready to get up, right? Like, I would have wanted it to happen right then. And, you know, there was resurrection in that situation for me, but it didn't happen on my timeline. It happened on God's timeline. And there was weeks of rest and waiting and work <laughs> to get back to the place where I felt like I could stand again. And we have to remember that the rising is not always in our timing, but the rising always does come. It always does come. Whether it's in this life or the next, the end game is always resurrection, always. And when we know that, when we know when the Spirit of Christ who dwells in us assures us of that, then we can have peace. Even when we feel like we're lying in the dirt waiting for Jesus to help us stand up again, right? Because remember, God is not a distant, far-off observer of us lying in the dirt. He is lying in the dirt with us. And when it's time to rise, he's right there to help us back up, right? We don't know when our world <laughs> will rise from this pandemic. We don't know. I hope it's soon. I believe it's going to be soon. But we don't know. But we do know that resurrection is the end game. And in that place of knowing, we can have peace. Peace. So point number three. Resurrection doesn't mean reanimating the old life. It means new life new life. Okay. This is one of the things that I find so intriguing about this resurrection story. And it's in every single account of the Gospels. The same thing happens. And that is, nobody recognizes Jesus. When they see him for the first time, they don't know who he is. These people that have spent years with him, that have followed him, that love him and know him, they don't recognize him. Why is that? Right? You got you to gotta think about that for a second. And there are many accounts of people meeting Jesus, and it takes them a moment or sometimes a long time to realize that it's Jesus. And the version that we read today, it doesn't even, first of all, it doesn't even occur to them that he's alive, right? So Peter and John go in, they look around the tomb, they're probably really mad is how they feel, right? Because they think someone has stolen this body out of this tomb. And what do they do? They go home, right? And then what does Mary do? She cries. She cries. She's heartbroken. 
because she thinks someone has stolen the body of Jesus. And then the angel asks her why she's crying, and she says that his body is stolen, and then she sees him. But she thinks he's a gardener. She doesn't recognize his face. And it's not until he calls her by name that she recognizes who he is. When he appears later to the disciples, he has to show them the scars in his hands and his side so that they realize it's actually him. And when he meets them on the road to Emmaus, he spends a whole evening with them, and they don't realize it was Jesus till after he had gone. And at the very end of John, when the disciples are fishing back on the boat, and Jesus calls to them to cast their nets over the edge, again, they don't recognize him. They don't recognize him until they come closer. Why is this? Why is this? Why is this important? It must be important because it's kind of a theme in every single gospel, right? And I, I read it, and I think to myself, if I were there, I probably would have recognized Jesus because, I mean, it's Jesus. But they didn't. And part of it was that they knew he was dead, and so it was probably hard for their brains to register that he was alive. But really, the point is, he looked different. He looked different. He was whole. He had been transformed back into the perfect state of being, right? All the imperfections gone, all the brokenness gone, all the scars gone. He was made whole, right? And that's the resurrection that we're invited to. Not just standing back up in our old life, but a new life. A life that might, in fact, be unrecognizable from the old one, right? We're invited to transformation, to metamorphosis, to wholeness, and to healing. Yes, in the life to come, but also in this one, right? It's in the life to come. I hope that when I get my heavenly body one day, it will be like 15 pounds less, and my shoulders won't hunch over, and I won't squint weird, and it'll just be perfect, and that'll be great. I will be excited to receive that physical transformation. But it really starts here, in this life, right? And it's not about the way we look. It's about our hearts. And here's something really important to remember. Transformation is not like a one-step process, okay? This new life, it isn't just a one-and-done sort of thing. It is in one way, right? When we receive God's gift of salvation, like we're redeemed. The debt is paid, we're set right with God. And that transformation happens in that moment, right? But the other part of that word, anastasis, it's about the recovery of spiritual truth. It's about the standing up again and again and again and again. Right, this story of the one true narrative of redemption was stolen from humanity, me, beginning of, of human existence. And we hear echoes of it when we meet Jesus, but it's a constant lifelong process to continue to own that truth in our hearts and our souls. The rediscovery of the truth. That's the other part of Anastasis that's so important that Jesus came to tell us to bring us, to show us, to be with us, right? We don't just fall on our faces to Jesus one time. Like, I pray we do it every day, every day. In the small ways and in the big ways, transformation starts with looking to him, right? And receiving his resurrection power to rise. So I don't want to live through this global shutdown, this grand falling of the entire world 
and not be changed. Like, no, let that never be said of me that I went through a hard thing and didn't rise transformed. Of course that's what I want. Of course that's what we want. We all want that. We all want to become the versions of ourselves that we're created to be. And the hard things, when we fall, when we get knocked down, those are the times when we stand back up and look a little more like Jesus, if we choose it. If we choose it, we have to choose it, right? And maybe one day we won't be recognizable either, right? Maybe our wholeness one day will be so far along in the journey that we're not recognizable from our former state. I pray for that. I will pray for the beauty that will be in every life that pursues that wholeness right here, that pursues that recovery of the truth, that pursues that rising again. Number four, resurrection is meant to be witnessed and shared. Now think about this a second. If the only purpose of Jesus coming to this earth was to die, then Resurrection wasn't really that important, right? Like, if it was only to fulfill the law and take the punishment for us, then why did it matter that he came back to life here, right? Because if, if it was just about punishment, the resurrection wouldn't have mattered that much. He died. He took the punishment. He stole back the keys of death, hell, and the grave, and he won, and it was finished, and love wins, and God wins, and we win. That's it. Game over, right? But it was more than that. It was more than the death because we know the story of the resurrection. Him coming back to life wasn't about paying the price for our sins. He had already done that. Him coming back to life was about showing us that we are meant for resurrection too. That's why he came back to life, okay? It's what spurred the disciples into action. It's what began to spread the good news of Jesus around the world was the reality that he was alive again, was the reality that, yes, he was the God that he had been saying he was. The truth was clear. It was for us. Resurrection wasn't for him. You know, I think that he would have probably been happy to head straight back to heaven after that ordeal here on earth, right? Going to hell, stealing the keys of death, hell, and the grave, and then he could just go on up to heaven and walk the streets of gold and be praised by the heavenly host, not come back here and be unrecognized again by the people who loved him right? He didn't come back here for him. He came for us. He came for us because he was telling us that resurrection was for us too. Before he ascended, before he actually had his full and complete resurrection, he came back here for a reason. And what did he tell those who he saw? What did he say? He said, rise and go. Rise and go. This resurrection is meant to be witnessed and to be shared. That's the whole point. That's the whole point, right? How beautiful are the feet of those who share the good news of Jesus. Rise and go. Go. Go and tell your friends. Go and tell my followers. Go to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth and tell the good news that God does what he says. The resurrection is the truth of all things. Rise and go. Here's how Paul puts it. In 1 Corinthians, this is where the one true narrative of redemption is headed. In Corinthians 15, he writes, 
But let me tell you something wonderful, a mystery I'll probably never fully understand. We're not all going to die, but we are all going to be changed. You'll hear a blast to end all blast from a trumpet, and in that time, you look up and blink your eyes. It's over. On a signal from that trumpet from heaven, the dead will be up and out of their graves, beyond the reach of death, never to die again. At the same moment and in the same way, we'll all be changed. In the resurrection scheme of things, this has to happen. Everything perishable taken off the shelves and replaced with the imperishable. This mortal replaced by the immortal. Then the saying will come true. Death, swallowed by triumphant life. Who got the last word, O oh death? Death, who's afraid of you now? It was sin that made death so frightening and law code guilt that gave sin its leverage, its destructive power. But now, in a single victorious stroke of life, all three, sin, guilt, and death are gone. Gone, the gift of our master, Jesus Christ. Thank God. That's the end game, church. Resurrection, right? The, the perishable things shaken away, the imperishable things remain, right? And this is the story that we're born to tell. We're born to tell this story, and we're born to tell it right now. Right now, while the earth has fallen on its face, now is the time to tell the story of Jesus. Because this is the truth. This is all the truth that matters. Benjamin can come up. We're going to sing a song about this truth in a few minutes here. But here's the deal, guys. God came to this earth so that you would know that you are loved, that your story matters, that your pain matters, your suffering and your brokenness matter, your joy matter to God, you, and you are loved and you are wanted, and your story is resurrection, standing up again, and again, and again, and again, until one day we are with Jesus. That's the story we're living in. The end game is resurrection. Listen to these words from Megan McKenna. The resurrection is not a single event, but a loosening of God's power and light into the earth and history that continues to alter all things, infusing them with grace and power of God's own holiness. It is, it is as though a door was opened, and what poured out will never be stopped, and that door cannot be closed. Morning came, and it still comes. Our God is here, Emmanuel, among us, always coming towards us, always standing behind us, always standing up for us, always standing with us in solidarity and in communion, asking us to come with him now as disciple, as follower, as believer, as a friend, as an intimate, beloved child of God, now and forever. Your story, church, ends in resurrection. That is the choice that you get to make. 
to, to live a story where the end game is resurrection and to experience that resurrection, that rising again, that anastasis, to experience it right here and now. A recovery, a standing up, a transformation to become a little more like Jesus. So my invitation for you today is to say yes to that, to say yes to the resurrection. And whether it's the first time you're ever saying yes to it or whether you've said it a hundred times before, that's the choice we can make today, to say yes to the thing that Jesus came to this world to do, to bring us resurrection, right? We've all fallen. The whole world has fallen again and again. And here we are witnessing the truth, the true story, that we are meant to rise again. Jesus rose again so that we would know that we are meant to rise again. So let's pray. God, I thank you for your presence this morning. I thank you for your truth, for your love, for your grace, for your mercy, God. I thank you for the story of Jesus. God, it's a story that we hear again and again, and every time we hear it, it means a little bit more. It hits us in a place a little bit deeper. And God, I pray from that place, whatever place this story is hitting us today, that we will say yes to standing, standing again, rising again, just like you did, just like the whole point of Jesus was to rise again. We love you, Jesus, and we are so grateful to celebrate this truth today. It's in your name we pray.